0: I'm so excited, we're going to be launching uh, Financial Peace University in October the 5th, Wednesday night, and uh, so I want to make sure I invite you out to that. Do you know that one of the main reasons couples get divorced is finances? Do you know that a lot of Christians would love to give, but just don't have the means, and a lot of times it's because we haven't learned or been trained on how to steward and do things God's way, and so I want to throw that out to you, uh, October the 5th, Wednesday night, Uh, make sure you take a look at that. And then men, uh, hey, this coming Saturday is men's breakfast, September the 10th. Want to make sure that's on your radar. We're going to have a great time uh, just getting together. And ladies, we haven't forgotten about you, October 1st. Uh, is the next ladies' breakfast. Well, welcome to church this morning. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time here, I want to encourage you after service, uh, we uh, two things, go to the New Year, start year tent. We have a gift for you. And then after this service, we have our Discover Mountain Park Luncheon. And so, uh, if you're new to the church, you've been here for a few weeks or a few months, and you've never gone to the luncheon. this is an opportunity to meet the staff, the team. Uh, we do this the first Sunday of every month, and uh, we'd love to get to know you and your family and answer any questions that you have. It's right after the service Uh, so glad you're here this morning i know it's labor day some people are traveling i was like who's coming to church but you're here and we're so so glad you're here this morning those of you online that are joined i know some of the family you're up in the mountains the cooler weather uh can't wait to see you next weekend but have an absolute blast on vacation and uh, we're continuing today, DNA, This Is Us, our series. How many of you have been learning a little bit about church? Hopefully you're learning something, yeah? Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. We've been talking about DNA, This Is Us. Who is Mountain Park? What does God want us to be doing? What is He calling us to do? And so uh, it's been a fun series. We've spoken about our vision. Uh, who can tell me what's our vision statement? Crickets, crickets. Come on, you know it. It's not a test. You're not going to fail. What's our vision? Our vision statement is? Realize your role in what? God's story. You sound so excited about that. I just love it. Our vision here at Mountain Park Church is what? To realize our role. We want you to come in and do what? Realize your role in God's story. You have a role in God's story. I spoke to you about that in Ephesians chapter four, where God said he gave us the fivefold ministry, the apostles, evangelists, teachers, prophets and pastors to do what? To equip the saints, that's you, for what? Ministry, that's the good news today is that God has a ministry for you. He's equipped you and he invites you to come in. And so guess what? If you're a school teacher, you're a minister first. If you're a bank teller or a manager or CEO, a business owner, an athlete, doesn't matter. Whatever you are, you're a minister first, disguised as a teacher, disguised as a sales rep. You're you're a minister. And so as I look out today, there's hundreds of ministers that I see, and we spoke about this uh, t- uh, two weeks ago. Is that the church is what? It is. Is it a cruise ship? No, it's not a cruise ship. We're a battleship. We're in a battle for souls. The Bible says that every day there are people that are going to heaven, and then there's some that, guess what? They're not going to make it, because without Jesus Christ, you don't go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody goes to the Father but through me. You say, well, that's pretty harsh. But yes, the reality of life is that we've all sinned, every single one of us have sinned, and missed God's mark. And Romans chapter six says this, in verse 23, that the penalty or the wages of sin is death. The word death there means eternal separation from God. But the good news is that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You see, if you believe in Jesus Christ today, that he died on the cross for your sins, then the third day he rose again. The Bible says if if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, as Romans says, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Not you might be, not you could be, you will be saved because Jesus paid the price. It's not about my works, it's not about your works, it's not about how spiritual we can be. All those things come from what? That we want to be spiritual, we want to know Jesus, we want to live right. Why? Because we want to please Him. But our salvation, our next breath in heaven, when we've breathed our last breath on earth, is guaranteed in Christ Jesus. He's our salvation. And then we spoke about our mission statement. What's our mission statement? To do what? To invite what? People. We're inviting people to what? Realize their role in God's story. We want to tell the world, hey, God loves you. He cares about you. And he has a role and a plan for your life. So come on, come to church and hear about the good news. That's our mission. We spoke about a couple weeks ago that God wants us to be planted in his house, not potted. Potted Christians get offended and they pick up their pot and they go to the next church down the road, get offended and go to the next church. They never get planted. And Psalm 92 says, those that are planted in the house of God, what happens? They flourish. See, God wants your life to flourish. He wants your marriage to flourish. If you're a single, He wants you to flourish in this season. He wants your kids to flourish. He wants every area of your life to flourish, but you've got to get planted in a house. You gotta get planted in the house of God. And we want you to get planted here at Mountain Park Church. We'd be honored if you get planted. We spoke about three dispositions that here at Mountain Park. You're in the season of learning, learning about God, learning about Jesus, learning about this thing called faith, learning about church family. And we want to encourage you if you're in that season. We want you to take your next step, which is go to Alpha. Last week we launched Alpha and it's so excited. We have over forty people that went to Alpha last week. And you know what? You can still jump in next weekend week two of Alpha's next weekend, next Sunday, second service. You can jump in and learn about Jesus, strengthen your faith and your belief because we live in a time right now where, man, we've gotta build our lives on Jesus Christ. The world is is fading and the Bible says in the last days, it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. And people say, Pastor, are are you blown away? Are you freaked out by what's going on in the world? No, I'm not because it says so in the Bible. It's written, it's gonna get darker and darker. And that's why we've got to get more planted in the things of God. We've got to be building our lives in the things of God. We've got to be pressing in and building our faith so we can stand when the winds and the storms and all these challenges and opinions of this world come. We've got to be grounded in our faith, we've got to get planted. So maybe you're in the learning place. Maybe you're in the, we said the second disposition we can find ourselves in is the, the place of living that man, it's time for us to do life together as a family. So we learn about Jesus, but then our next step is, is, to, is to love. And so we spoke about group up. I was so excited this week, and we had groups going everywhere, but this week we had over 50 women that came to our women's Bible study that was here in the building, it was so amazing. Women just hungry for the Word of God. In fact, we got some photos, if we can put that up, and just women coming to study the Word of God. We had over 50 men that came together in groups all over the building, and kids in kids' ministry, and and, uh, and I know there's so many other groups. Thursday, there were two women's groups that were meeting here Thursday morning, and, and we need to group up. We need to, to jump into a group Group, to do life with others and it's it's not just about us needing others to pray with us is others need us to walk with them and pray with them and, and and so we spoke about the potluck a couple of weeks ago that at a potluck everybody brings something you have something to bring we spoke about jumping in if you're in this loving phase find a group but also jump in find a place to use your gift I'm so happy we had 65 new people sign up to serve here at Mountain Park Church, and that's just so exciting. I love it. People that are saying, hey, I've learned about Jesus, but now I'm in this living season, and then the last disposition is leading. I'm so excited. Some of you have signed up to lead, to lead in our community groups, our small groups. In January, we're going to do a big launch an all-church series. It's going to be amazing, and I'm so excited. Some of you said, you know what, I'm going to take that next step. It's time for me. I've been a Christian for so many years. It's time for me to lead because Matthew 28, the Great Commission, says that I need to go make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and we need leaders. Jesus said the harvest is great, but the leaders, the workers, are few, and so we need more people. We started last week with culture values, and I spoke to you about what Peter Drucker says that, culture each strategy of vision for breakfast, simply meaning that we can have a great vision statement, a mission statement, an assimilation plan, but we got to have culture values that define who we want to become, what we want to be known for, how we interact with each other. And so last week, we launched our culture value number one, which is what? We are, we are worshipers. Now, if you're not sure of these, they're in the lobby. We're going to be displaying them each week. You can look up and see, you belong here. Realize your role. We are worshipers. But today, I'm going to talk about our second culture value, one that I think the world desperately needs, one in which the world right now that is judgmental and critical and so opinionated and so self-centered and self-focused, a value that I believe is Something we've received and need to extend. Today we're going to talk about culture value number two. We are gracious. We are gracious. What does the word grace mean? Let's look at the dictionary today. Miriam Webster's definition for grace. An unmerited divine assistance given to humans for the regeneration or sanctification. A virtue coming from God. I like that. Unmerited. What does it mean? It means you, you didn't deserve it. You didn't work, you couldn't earn it, it's, it's unmerited. It's, it's something, of it's assistance that is given to you. Well, let's look at Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. It says this, grace is what? Undeserved acceptance and love received from another. It's undeserved. Webster says it's unmerited. Let's go to Titus chapter two, verse 11. It says, for the grace of God, Has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I like that. You see, when God, Holy God, Sovereign God, Almighty God, looked down at the sin of humanity, you know what? He could have just said, you know what? Let's do a redo. Let's do a makeover. Let's just wipe them out. Let's start afresh. But you know what, God looked down and, and He looked into the future and He saw your sin and my sin and our, our, our lack of our, our running away from God, our lack of crying out and calling to Him and our, our, doing our living for ourselves and making life all about us and, and not worshiping Him because we were created to worship Him. And God looked down and in that moment, grace was extended to us. You see, grace is unmerited favor. Grace is what? God giving us what we don't deserve. And this grace was given to us in the form of Jesus Christ. You see, as we read the in Titus, the grace of God has appeared that offers what? Salvation. You see, Jesus is a manifestation of the grace of God. Jesus Christ came to die on a cross and pay the price for your sin and my sin. It was God giving us what we didn't deserve because the reality is I said in Romans chapter six that we deserve to pay the penalty for our sin. Nobody made us take the cookie out the cookie jar when we were kids, No one one makes us sin. It's a desire in our flesh. But God looked down and in his grace, he sent his one and only son. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You see, he wasn't opinionated or judgmental. He looked at the world and said, I see the brokenness. I see the pain. I see the hurt. I see the abandonment. And what did he do? He extended grace in sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to do what? To pay the price, to heal, to restore, to forgive us. As we put our faith in Jesus, our sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. We are now called new creations. The old is gone, the new is come. I don't have to fix the old me. I have to live as the new me. The new me in Christ Jesus. See, grace is so important. Grace has an eternal impact. If it wasn't for the grace of God, he wouldn't have sent Jesus and you and I would have no guarantee of eternity in heaven. See, grace, the grace of God had an eternal impact. And we receive this grace, but it doesn't stop there. You see, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 to 40, listen to the words of Jesus. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the, the righteous will answer him. They turn to Jesus and they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? When did we do this, Jesus. See, this is is Jesus talking about one day in heaven. People are gonna say, when when did I do that? I, 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 I didn't see you, Jesus. And look what he says, and the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus stops right there and he says, guess what? As you go into this world, you receive this grace, this grace, this gift of Jesus as Lord and Savior, and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and heaven is guaranteed for you. You've received this gift. You didn't deserve it. You could never earn it. You can never be spiritual enough, good enough, live right enough. It's the gift of God. He gave you what you didn't deserve. You see, the opposite of the tension of grace is mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is what? God giving us, sorry, God withholding. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding what we do deserve. See, God in His mercy withheld judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. He withholds judgment. You see, if you don't have Jesus, here's the reality. You're gonna stand before Him one day in judgment. It's in the Bible. Well, pastor, you just mean. You don't like me. No. i got to warn you. It's in the Bible. Without Jesus, you're going to face judgment. But here's the good news. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, one day when you stand before God and the devil gets up and says, hey, he's a sinner. Jesus is going to stand up and say, he's one of mine. He's one of mine. I died for him. He put his faith in me. He asked me to be his Lord and Savior. He... In, he received my mercy, but then he received my grace. And we have this grace that now we can go out, as Jesus says in Matthew 25, to the hungry, to the thirsty, to those that are naked, those that are imprisoned, those that are bound, the people in our worlds. We can go as we've received this grace and we can go and be gracious. You know, when I think about this verse today, Matthew 25, I, I think about a couple in our church who have such a heart for the, for, the, for the hurting and the broken. And I want you today to hear this story. It's a couple who 10 years ago started a ministry that's impacted thousands. Thousands that are hurting and hungry and thirsty and naked. Thousands that are imprisoned with addiction that live right here in our city. Would you put your hands together as we welcome up Tim and Bernice Berry? Awesome guys. Love you guys. Tim and Benice uh, run a ministry, our ministry called Hope for the Homeless. And uh, this month is the 10 year anniversary. And uh, I've got a bunch of questions that I'm going to ask them today. But uh, before I ask them questions, uh, we want to uh, go ahead and, uh, and take a moment to honor them. And so uh, Pastor Greg Battle and uh, Donald O'Neill from uh, Basel, from our Board of Seventh Leaders, are gonna come up and uh, share a few words. These two, uh, Pastor Greg oversees our outreach and our missions ministry. And uh, Don O'Neill from Basel, uh, Don is a part of Hope for the Homeless Board and team. So I'm gonna hand it over to you guys.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. I was. Uh... Um, just thinking about some of the things that happened, and um, I remember, uh, Tim, uh, we were uh, on the street, and we were uh, giving out uh, uh, some bags, and someone, it was, I don't know, it was probably 108, and uh, we were, uh, someone needed some shoes, and I believe you took your shoes off and gave it to them, and we're talking about values and culture values and things like that. Uh, Culture is a learned thing. We learn culture and I saw someone that was a part of our group about three weeks later, four weeks later, someone needed some shoes, and guess what they did? They, she, they took their shoes off, and they gave this person. And so I, I remember that, and that was because of the example that you showed. And so thank you so much for investing into this culture, <laughs> investing into myself personally. Uh, you and, uh, and Bernice have done a, a wonderful job in uh, helping us to establish the correct
2: culture. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Good morning, everyone. Every day in this community, there's over 27,000 people that are unsheltered in Maricopa County. Approximately a third of those individuals have no place to stay because there's not beds enough in this county to to have a place for them to spend out of the heat, out of the weather. Homelessness is really a complicated matter. It's a combination of maybe failed economics, failure financially. It's often fraught with addiction. It's often fraught with mental illness. And yet, 10 years ago, Tim Berry looked past those kind of excuses and reasons and said, we have an opportunity to serve those less fortunate that find themselves homeless. I came alongside Tim about the same time as he started Hope for the Homeless and said, you know, I'd like to volunteer and do something that I can help. In my small-mindedness at the time, I said, I'll sign up for a year, I'll make a commitment for a year. And what happened? Two years went by, three years went by, four years now, 10 years have come and gone, and we continue to serve the needs of the homeless in downtown Phoenix. I've had the privilege of working with Tim and his wife, Bernice, and there's not an element of homelessness that he doesn't address, whether it be feeding, clothing, giving advice and counsel on addiction and recovery. I am pleased to call Tim my friend, my Christian brother, and the same with Bernice, my Christian sister, because through Hope for the Homeless, we provide those essentials for people who are less fortunate. It is an understatement to say in 10 years that we've served over 10,000 meals. It's an understatement to say that we've had 10,000 volunteers. Those are understatements as to the commitment not only on the the need, on the demand side of serving this community, but then also on the ability to be generous on the other side. Volunteers serve with us, donors donate money or donate in-kind items that we can use, and there's our sponsors, again, financial contributions are made there. Four years ago, we incorporated Hope for the Homeless, it's a 501c3, it's a qualified charitable organization in the state of Arizona. I'm proud to be involved in the board. It is a legitimate nonprofit serving the needs of those less fortunate in Phoenix. I consider Tim to be a business partner of mine. I consider him to be one of the most creative entrepreneurs that I've had the opportunity to work with. He's always got an idea, he's always got something he's working on. I won't take away a major donor that we got a donation that'll. Come to fruition in October, that is really a remarkable creative solution that he's come up with. But then, those of you that have donated, thank you. Those of you that have volunteered, thank you. We are just getting started on this mission, and it really is Tim and Bernice's leadership that's made that happen. Thank you, Don.
3: Thank you, Don.
1: On behalf of uh, myself, Mountain Park Church, and the over, I want to say 600 uh, people that are in our database that's uh, volunteer, we want to present you uh, with a gift.
0: Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Greg, thanks, Don. Okay, I've yeah, Well, I had the honor of, uh, on. Uh, I've had the honor of volunteering and serving and seeing what you guys are doing. But Friday, we got to have coffee and kind of talk about today some questions that I have for you. And I could really sense the presence of God as, as just we were meeting at the coffee shop. And uh, I'd love for you to share your story. So, first first question I have for uh, for, for you guys this morning is uh, how, how has the grace of God or just stories, how, how has that impacted your life personally?
4: Well, you know, I'd like. A- Go back to like 2009, and my my story's kind of long and, and, and arduous and, and full of everything. But um, I was in a in a season of my life that I wasn't really grateful for the things that I should have been grateful for, um, and I was really kind of in a, having a little pity party for myself. Um, and I just like God does; He just shows His wisdom um, in just unique ways. But on the radio, it came on, and it was Garth Brooks, and he was talking about the like. Pastor Charlton just talked about God, the difference between God's grace and God's mercy. Mm. And they were on some horse ride with his buddies, and he's, he said, basically, God's grace is getting what you don't deserve, yeah. and God's mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And, and at that moment, I had just been released um, from jail. I had to spend four months in jail um, due to getting two DUIs in less than a month um, because of my addiction and alcoholism. But that was God's mercy, the, God's grace, is that he had put a public defender in my life that did what no other public defender I've ever heard do, and she had just said, you know, because I had a year sobriety, and I was doing all the right things, I was helping people out, and she goes, well, we'll take it to trial, it can't get any worse, because I was facing their, their last plea agreement was two years of prison. Um, so a week before trial, she calls me and says, you know what? You're we going to get four months in jail, wow. work release, and you know that, that was just a miracle. Um, and then it, you know, right after that I thought, I thought about the grace that God had put this woman in my life a few years earlier, mm-hmm. and that she was still in my life even through everything that we went through. It was just a tumultuous few first few years. Um, and uh, you know, I'll let her finish the story there, where she had dropped me off. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, it was crazy how um, God blessed me with Tim. I never thought that I'd be married again. You know, I had a horrible relationship, which is very, very violent, and ended up in the hospital many times, and because I had no credit, I ended up on the streets, and I had a four-month-old and a two-year-old, and I, I couldn't understand how I arrived there, because in my life, in high school, I, I was, in my mind, successful. And I was very angry with men, and I did get engaged three times, but I always kept men at an arm's length, and personally sabotage my relationships. Uh, but when, when I met Tim, I saw something in him um, he did, that he didn't see. He was very vivacious in his eyes, but his spirit was kind of torn down. And um, I, I seen him go through the end of whatever he was going through. I had no idea that he was not an addict or an alcoholic. And one time, I didn't hear from him, so I checked on him at his house, and uh, his body was very cold, and I thought he was dead. And I I didn't know what to do. I thought, well, if I get caught here, I'm going to get in trouble with the police. And I got to call the police anyway, and they're going to ask me how I knew. So I thought, well, the only person I can call in at this moment is God. And I I got on my knees, and I prayed. And I'm like, God, you know, all I want is just to, to help your human being. And I will help him through whatever he needs help with. And please don't let him be dead, God. And in exchange for me helping your you're human here, I, I just want a husband. A husband who's gonna treat me good, a husband who's gonna cherish me, and a husband who's gonna to, going to love me. Mm-hmm. I never thought it would be Tim, mm-hmm. but um, that was my gracious moment in life. And uh, today, he is my best friend, he's my world. Mm-hmm.
0: I just love you. There's so much more to your guys' story, um, how the grace of God impacted just the mess and the chaos of your life. And talk to us a little bit about how did Hope for the Homeless start?
4: Yeah, so she had dropped me off at a rehab, and this was my fifth rehab in four years. Um, And um, for the first two weeks, I was just miserable, depressed, just in in just a funk. Mm -hmm. Literally, I had lost everything. My house had been foreclosed on. The car has been repossessed. Uh, I was in a mountain of debt. Um, and, and I was just there. And I had been praying God just to kind of show me a purpose in all this, a purpose for what my life was. Because what I thought my purpose was, and, and I wasn't a very spiritual person beforehand, but my purpose was to be a successful business person, c- compile all these material items, and that was going to be what success is. Um, and at that moment... Really, it was probably the darkest moment. He, uh, they put a, um, another patient in my room. I had in my own room at the time. There was three or four empty rooms. So they put this gentleman who was a member of the Salt River Pima com- Indian community, um, and he had just had part of his uh, foot um, amputated. He, he couldn't walk, and, and, and they put him in my room, um, and they said, Tim, you're going to show him around. Show him the ropes, and I was really upset about that because there was other empty rooms, and I just wanted to wallow in my own misery by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, um, but you know, I, I did what they asked me to do. I took him to dinner, took him to the gym. Next morning, we took him to breakfast, and you know, he he w- wasn't able to read, so I I read him the big book, and he wanted to ha- have the Bible read to him, so I read that. Um, and so then the next morning, I got up, and I was ready for the day. And I dawned on me that, wait a minute, I'm not anywhere near as miserable yeah. as I was the day wow. before. Um, and it really, the me took over and said, you know what, maybe what I'm miserable about, about all that I lost, is not what life is about. Yeah. Maybe life is about giving back and being of service to others. Um, and right about that same time, so we, we, him and I became friends and we, 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 I was in there, we were both in there for about three months. But at the same time, some other gentlemen had uh, started a meeting down at the Central Arizona Shelter Services, um, and uh, they, they took me under their wings. They, these were the good Samaritans that were complete strangers of my, of, to me at the time, and that would become great friends, but they brought me under their wing, and they brought me there, and I was just drawn to that. Mm. Um, and then, while I was in jail, I had to go to jail, and I, I missed the meeting for four months, but when I was in there, the first two weeks they actually mixed mixed up my uh, my paperwork so i couldn 't get out on work release, which was another you know what I thought was the worst case scenario, but it turned out to be a blessing. Um, they put me to work in one of the um, food banks, and I had this idea because some other guys have started up a bunch of halfway houses, and I'm like, what if, what if we get the food bank to donate to the halfway houses? They can make the meals to bring down to the homeless shelter, and it'll be a great synergy, and it'll, it'll be perfect. So I get out, and I have this great idea, and I'm thinking I'm going to give this the idea. I'm going to get a bunch of pats on the back, and they're going to give me the thumbs up and, and take my idea and run with it. Well, as soon as I mentioned that, they said, oh, that is a good idea. Now you're in charge of organizing the people to bring the meals each week. <laughs> um, and again, I was like, in God's nudges, I was like, reluctantly just took that, that responsibility. Um, and that's kind of how that started. So I just started re- doing that. First Christmas rolled around. I just hit up everybody to, for donations. Bernice and I went, took what we had. We had a couple thousand dollars. We bought socks and underwear. And we handed those out at Christmas. And then I got the, we had, uh, you know, came to Hope, the Mountain Park, and started going to the Hope Group. So I kind of corralled those guys from hope to actually prepare some meals and then that's when Don O'Neill got involved and Paul Harvey and Lynette were involved with that um, and then we, you know, it's just God just kept nudging us in the direction and it wow. just keeps growing and and literally it's just 10 years is, is only because of the amazing, you know gifts of all the volunteers and everything else, you know, it's just, it's just an incredible journey.
0: Beautiful. Now, I, uh, you know, we live in a world where there's just so much brokenness. Uh, Don shared the statistics. Uh, there's just so much need, and and so often we're so focused on our own world and our own needs and just, you know, trying to move ahead, and I had the opportunity to go down to the Andre house with you and the team, and by the way, any of you can, if you want to come and, and help with uh, bagging the bags for the homeless, the third Saturday of every month, 9 a.m., uh, we, we there's so many people that show up here, and we do the bags. just. 1,500 bags that we bag on a Saturday and and then the third Sunday, uh, if you would like to go down with uh, Tim Bernice and the team, you can go and serve a meal to the homeless at the Andre house. It's it's so powerful and life-changing and I got to go and witness and um, just, just the grace that you guys show and what, what, what is it that motivates you, I mean, to, to do this? You do it. You guys go not just the third Sunday. You go every Sunday and right off to service, you're going to Zoom downtown every Sunday, You go, and a lot of people on the weekends, they want to get away and go and play and have fun. You guys were joking that you you don't get Sundays off. You can't go out of town because you have these people waiting for their meals and for socks and for stuff. What is that motivates you?
4: It really breaks down to, for the grace of God, go I, because that was me. I mean, I I was fortunate that I, I got sober Right before I was actually on the street, I mean, I spent three months in a, in a rehab, three months in a halfway house, um, and uh, and then rebuilt my life. But I was this close, um, and and who knows if 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 I had experienced that now with with what's going on with the fentanyl, which is ten times more addictive than anything else that I was that I was involved in, um, how things would have turned out. But God had a plan, and it turned out the way it is, and and I don't even I, it it's just such a part of my life, I, I don't even acknowledge it as a giving up anything. This is what, this is what I'm called to do. I I, well, do it. I, lo-
0: I love that about both of you because I've seen there's such a joy. It's not a burden. It's, it's a joy that you get to show the love of Jesus to the people that society just turns a blind eye to. And so I can see it's a joy for you guys. I know recently, Benice, maybe you can share this quickly. You guys had a, an email that came that was kind of a huge breakthrough email um, you want to share this really quickly about that?
3: So a while back, I uh, was reading a magazine in the airplane, and there was these socks called Bombas, and they—you um, buy a pair of socks, it's a little bit expensive, but a pair of socks comes to you, and another pair of socks goes to somebody homeless or a homeless shelter. And um, so I bought the pair, and they're super comfortable. I stand sixteen hours a day, and I thought, wow, these are great socks. You know, these people who walk on the streets all day long because they have no place to go it would be nice for them, and I told Tim, hey, we gotta keep buying these Bomba socks, they're so comfy, and you know, what if we can get them to um, pitch into the Hope for the Homeless? And so I sent a a message, or I uh, called, I can't remember, and they said, no, we only do it to the people here in New York, here where we have the program, so I thought, okay, and I said, you know what, Tim, let's just keep buying socks, and let's see what happens, and he finally sent over an email, and then he got sick, and um, he didn't check his email, and it probably got lost in all the emails that he gets, because we both get tons of emails. And one day he decided to check because...
4: Yeah, so just... Uh, this is on. Okay. okay. So, it's on. so just recently, it just kind of dawned on me again. I was like, you know what? Because we've been really declaring that that God would bless Hope for the Homeless even more, because like, like Pastor Charles said, we produce 1,500 bags, but we want to elevate that to 2,000 and more, because we're, we're getting requests from other organizations all over the, over the valley. Um, so I, we're just praying over the, the declaration of, of blessings. And I just, it dawned on me to go, I was gonna send them another request, Bombas Socks. And I, and I went just to search my emails to see what email address I had sent them before, and an email popped up that was unread. And it was from a year before, and they said, yes, we have selected you to, to receive these socks. Mm-hmm. And it had already a year gone pi- past, so I sent them an email saying, well, i missed this. Well, are we still uh, eligible? And they said, of course you sent send me back. Of course you are. Fill this out. And then they go, okay, how many do you need? And they had uh, quantities. And, 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 and Pastor Greg's, I, I have many conversations with him, but he was, uh, his words directly came to me. He goes, God is big. Ask big. Amen. So their, their biggest uh, allotment was 10,000 pairs. I said, 10,000 pair. And... Uh, the last week we get the email back saying you've been approved. We're going to be sending you ten thousand pairs of socks, there which is God. just an amazing
0: bucket. And it's so great because I think it costs you 1, yeah, so yeah, they're, 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 fifteen hundred dollars for a thousand pairs.
4: Yes, So that's about fifteen
0: thousand dollars in socks right, exactly. that are going to be coming.
4: Yeah, and that's just beautiful. beautiful that we can we can increase our things, and it's just oh. amazing. And none of this is at all possible without the grace of God.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, love you guys. I want to read to you a passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. What is written in the law, Jesus replied, and how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Great question. as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine, and he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took about two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he looked after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which do do you think? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's a great question for you this morning as we talk about we are gracious. The question I have is a question that this expert in the law wrestled with. Love your neighbor. He's seeking for Jesus to justify who is my neighbor. And I believe as he's asking this question, he's wrestling on the inside because even in the times of Jesus, people were looked down upon. And he says, Jesus, who is this neighbor? And Jesus, let me tell you the story of a man who was beaten, a man whose clothes were ripped off, a man that was robbed and he was left for dead. And he said, two people walked by, a priest walked by, and as he saw the messiness, the blood, the man dying there, what does he do? He jumps to the other side. He went nothing to do. Why? Because there's a reason why this guy was here. He must have done something bad. I don't want to be around bad people. The second guy, Levite, Levites were the ones that worked in the temple. They were, they were part of the worship or the music, played instruments. A worshiper walks by, and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a reason he's there. He's messy. It must be sin. Let me me jump to the other side. I don't want to be associated with that. And then a third man comes, a man, a Samaritan. Samaritans are very interesting because in the times, the Jews looked down at the Samaritans, and in some sense, they were like, you are dogs. They they were the rejected. They were isolated. They were pushed to the side. They were not treated with respect or love. No, in a sense, if you go study the Bible, they were called half-breeds. And it's interesting because Jesus talks about one who's supposed to be put together, a priest jumping to the side, a worshipper who is supposed to be put together jumping to the side. But the least of them of them that's expected to do anything was the one that he saw the mess. And in his own life he's been rejected and isolated and he's got his own issues, but he puts it aside to go and help a man who is dying. And then he's willing to pay a price of, of oil and bandaging him, putting him on his own donkey, taking him to an inn, paying for his hotel bill, so that he can recover. You see, Jesus was saying to this expert of the law is that your neighbor, your neighbor is just not those that are put together and polished, those that are as educated as you are, those who are as spiritual as you are, those who worship the way you worship and drive the car you drive and belong to the club you go or the school you kid. No, no, your neighbor is even the least of them that are bound and hurt and are in the midst of darkness. See, Jesus begins to say to you and I, we've we've received grace, but the question is, what are we doing with grace? What are we doing with this gift? See, today I'm challenging you. See, Christianity is not just about kumbaya, my Lord, and getting to heaven. Christianity is about taking the gospel and the good news to a world that is hurting and broken. And here's the bottom line. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you getting out of your comfort zone. You see, the question I have for you today is who is your neighbor? Who are the ones that are Hurting. You see, in Matthew chapter 25, we read today, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. You see, those are the neighbors that God is looking for. You see, it might—it doesn't have to be the homeless of downtown Phoenix, And but if you have a passion for that and a call for that, jump in with Hope for the Homeless Ministry. But I'm just talking about the everyday people in your life that are imprisoned in alcohol addiction or drugs. I'm just talking to them about the people whose marriages are in a mess. I'm talking about the people who are depressed. I'm talking about the people that are hurting and down and out in your world. I'm talking about your neighbors. Because here's the thing, the, the expert of the law, he tried to define, what a neighbor was so that he could cut out the ones that were hurting i pray that at mountain park church that we never become a church that's like the priest oh let's just be super spiritual and all put together i pray that we never be like the levi look how great we worship god and we have a great worship team and we can sing amazing songs to god but i pray that more than that we'd say we want to be like the samaritan that you know what we want the messy to find jesus In the first week of DNA This Is Us, Pastor Don Doe and Robin Wood spoke to us how Mountain Park Church was birthed as a place where the messy could come and find hope and salvation. And that today is still our hope. We, We don't want to say to people, listen, first you believe and then you can come and belong. No, no, no. Come and belong and then believe. Come in messy. Because do you remember the day when your life was a mess? And God came in this grace and this gift and he took your mess and he turned it into a message. Do you remember? So often we forget the moment where grace intersected our lives, our brokenness and our messiness. The times where we were like the man who was dying and a good Samaritan came along. Somebody came and told us about Jesus and he transformed our lives. There's still messy people in this world. So pastor, how do I then show grace? I want to give you five things really quick as we land the plane. Five areas today that I want to challenge you to show grace in. Because grace is not a 10-step formula, a class you need to go into. Grace is something that you receive and now you've got to live out. So how do we show grace? Number one, forgive and let go. You know, you want to show grace to people? Sometimes you just got to forgive some people. Quit holding on to the brokenness and the pain. Quit holding on to what they said. Just let it go. Because you know what? When you forgive others, you know what you do? You set yourself free. You set yourself free. But some of the greatest ways we can show grace is to say to someone, you know what? You don't deserve my forgiveness. You don't deserve my love. You don't deserve my time. You don't deserve it. You've been bad. You hurt me. You stole from me. You said things about me. I saw your social media post. You lied to me. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show grace. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let it go. Number two, you can show grace with your words. You know, it's death and life is in the power of the tongue. You know what I pray? You know, the church should be the most positive place on planet earth. It's so sad. People think the church is the most hypocritical place. Maybe if we're gracious with our words. Colossians chapter four, verse six says, let your conversations always be full of what? Grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Come on, let your words be gracious. Be careful what you say to people, what you say about people, especially Pastor Charlton. Galatians chapter six, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What is it saying? Even in the church, sometimes Christians are the meanest with each other. No, let's love each other, especially in the church, with each other. So let's be gracious in forgiving and let going. Let's be gracious with our words. And let's be gracious in what? Let's listen more intently. It reminds me of a story of a pastor friend of mine. Tell me the one day he would go to church and people would say, how are you doing? you would say, good. Oh, praise Jesus. How are you doing? Doing good. Praise Jesus. One day he went to church and the guy said, how are you doing? He goes, absolutely miserable. I'm depressed. Praise Jesus. The guy wasn't listening. So often, you know what? You want to show grace to people? What about just stopping and listening? Don't just assume. Don't have an opinion. You know, every life has a story. The question is, are you taking the time to listen and learn about them? It's just how we show grace. Listen more intently. Another way we can show grace is to put others first. You know what? The Good Samaritan, he was the one that should have crossed the street. Because he was the one that faced abuse and gossip and people would spit when he came down the road. People would look the other way. He was rejected. He was the one that had every right to go to the other side of the street. But he was the one that was willing to put the messy, dying, broken man first. He put that man above himself. Who is your neighbor? Who is God asking you to put in front of yourself? Well, Pastor not I don't don't know how to preach to Jesus. You, You don't have to preach. Invite him to church. Maybe next time, you know what, when you talk to your neighbor, don't do the, well, I got one minute. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Wife's good? Kid's good? Awesome. God, did you see that? Please check the box. Now, why don't you spend more time and talk to Bob? Ask Bob more about, hey, Bob, what's your view on life? How you doing? How's your marriage, Bob? You know, sometimes people are just waiting for someone to have a conversation They're just waiting for you, someone to stop and recognize, I don't have it all put together. It's one of the ways we can show grace, put others first. And I like this one. Number five, how do I show grace? Express appreciation more. You know what that looks like? Say thank you. When last have you expressed appreciation to your spouse, to your kids? When last have you expressed appreciation? to your boss. Wow, my boss is the devil. Well then the devil's everywhere because everybody says that. And he can only be in one place at one time. He's not omnipresent. No, maybe it's just the way you look at things. Say, so God, let me be gracious. You know, I'm, I'm learning more and more to be just, so appreciate my wife, my daughter, for some reason, and I prayed this, God, make her love homework the third week of school that kid Shay loves homework it takes her two hours to do something I can do in ten minutes she's so meticulous and detailed it drives me crazy careful what you pray for but I'm so grateful and appreciative of my wife because she has the patience to do the homework with her I'm like the game he's on come on let's get this thing going you know what I'm saying a B is good but Shay wants above an A you know and I love that about Shay But I just said to my wife this week, I said, honey, you know what? I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you have the patience and tolerance for school homework. I gotta get there. Now, you all need to pray for me, right? (laughs) But sometimes, you know what? We take for granted the things in our lives. Let's extend grace to the things, the people, the people in our lives. Let's extend grace because grace has an eternal value. Grace can change your life. And you know what? Grace is something that you freely received, you can freely give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for the great story we heard, Tim and Benice, and how your grace impacted their lives and transformed them. How you met Tim in in prison and began to orchestrate his calling and his ministry. We thank you that Tim is reaching out to people that so often the world is just shunned, avoids. But God, today I want you to open our eyes to the neighbors, the neighbors in our lives who are messy and broken. Lord, they might have nice houses and nice cars and be all polished, but on the inside they're the most broken people. They might be put together and have resumes and titles, but on the inside they're so broken, bound to sin and addiction that no one can see. God, I pray that in the midst of our lives and our busyness and our callings and all the things we're dreaming and believing for, Lord, that we would take a moment to stop and take note of who's around us. God, who needs us to step into their world? Who needs us to extend grace and mercy to speak life and to appreciate and to value? Who needs us to invite them to realize their role in your story, God? God, I pray today that we won't be like the priest or the worshiper. God, we'd be like the Good Samaritan. For once you were the Good Samaritan to us, you gave your life so that we could find life. You gave your life so that our sin could be forgiven and that we could have freedom, that we could declare that in you we are children of the living God. Lord, as we go our different ways today, God, show us the neighbors that we're called to reach. In Jesus' name, amen.